when you hear, what would Jesus do? I don't know why I said it like that. But when you hear, what would Jesus do? <laughs> is flipping tables within the realm of possibilities? And if it is, do you think that it means we should still be doing that today? See, when we hear Bible verses and Bible stories taken out of context, it can lead people to misunderstand practical Christianity. Mm, and we're tackling these misunderstandings in a series that we're simply calling Misunderstood Bible Stories. No, Bible Verses. Bible Misunderstood. Bible Things. <laughs> so what did it mean when Jesus flipped the tables? Well, stick around because we are going to talk about that. Yes, we are. You're listening to the Nick Smith Podcast. Real life, no myth. Where we talk about myths and misunderstandings surrounding life, race, faith, and culture. If you'd like to support the Nick Smith Podcast, rate us on iTunes. Or you can give through our Patreon. And don't forget to share this on social media so that all of your friends can know what you're listening to. Hey, we are your hosts, Nick Smith. And Kylie Jo Smith. And today we are talking about Jesus flipping tables. <laughs> It sounded like you're about to be blasphemous and be like, Jesus <laughs> flipping. Talking about Jesus tables, but Him emphatically, flipping, emphatically. Flipping about those flipping tables. Jesus, uh, flipping tables. <laughs> but before we get into this, we want to say hello. Give a big shout out to our inner circle. How y'all doing? Woo woo. What's up, y'all? Hey, we had our first inner circle live chat. Yes, we did. It was oh. awesome. If you missed out. I almost missed out because I had to go to the gym and I made it back in time. But I almost missed out. In so. the nick of time. Uh-huh. Truly. In, in the, the nick, nick Smith of time. Of, uh, anyway. <laughs> so, On Nick Smith time. If you missed that, uh, you need to tap in with our inner circle and yes. find out where the next one's going to be. And if you're in the inner circle and you missed it, we missed you. We did. We missed we you really a lot. Did. We had a good time. We talked. We had three of our inner circle members. We were talking. We were chatting. Chatting it up. It was a good time. Laughing. I was in the kitchen doing a bunch of stuff, but we were laughing about different things. Yeah, it was a good time. Good time. Yeah. So what's up, Inner Circle? If you want to know more about what the Inner Circle is, stick around. We're going to talk about that towards the end of the episode. Yes, and uh, I think we should just jump into it because this is a big one. This oh, is a, it's a big one. It's a big table. We got to flip. <laughs> well, before before we start the story, though, yeah. we need to uh, explain something we've been leading with this entire series, and that is the understanding that content without context leads to confusion. So if you don't understand why something was said, who it was said to, the whole situation surrounding that verse, you're going to be confused on how to practically mm. understand that. Yes. So as we dive into the story, just know that's important. Mm -hmm. So the story we're talking about, Jesus flipping the tables. It's in what? Three of the Gospels? Three of the four. It might be in all four. I think it's in all four. It's in some of the Gospels. You got to know. I'm pretty sure it's in all four Gospels. Yeah. And um, what happens if you didn't know the story, uh, Jesus goes into the temple. Some people say once, some people say twice, depends on how you read it. Uh, either way, he did it. He goes into the temple. And he sees people buying and selling um, things for sacrifice, right? Yeah, like pigeons. Because and, and and people would come from all around the, the Roman territory, all the Jews, to offer their sacrifices in Jerusalem. And so they also had to have money changers. And they had to have people to do all these things so that um, travelers can, instead of bringing all their livestock with them, they just show up at the temple, they buy their stuff, they give it to the priest, boom, boom, boom. Um, but people were making a profit off this and it wasn't like a ministry. It was, it was consumerism. Mm -hmm. It was commerce happening in the temple. And yeah. so then uh, Jesus flips the tables. He drives out the money changers. Yes. And a lot of times we hear this referenced, mm -hmm. uh, especially I think lately, I think this past like season of a few years when there was like injustice happening or like people are outraged about something. It's like, well, we, Jesus flipped over temples in the, in the sanctuary. Flipped over tables. 
Did I say temples? You did. I don't think. I mean, kind of temple. He flipped the temple on its side. I mean, like, I like and flip this house version. <laughs> yeah, like, you flip this temple. He, he said, "I will flip this temple, <laughs> and then I will raise it in three days." <laughs> no, but he. Sorry, he flipped over tables in the temple. Yep, yep. And it's like this, this like justification for you know being outraged and having a really bad attitude about things. Yeah, it's also I've seen it used um, like this excuse to be um, not just enraged, but to act. Like wrathfully, wrathfully, yeah. To talk mm. about like, well, you know, Jesus did this, so we can we can flip tables, we can, you know, the disciples had swords, so we can chop people's ears off. Like, mm. like there's these this thought <laughs> of like, well, if Jesus did it, what would Jesus do? He'd flip a table. So that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Um, without people truly understanding the context of why Jesus flipped tables. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I think the even the WWJD mm-hmm. stamp that we tend to put on things. Yeah. We look at that situationally, not characteristically. Like, what would Jesus do? Well, in which situation? Well, in this yeah. situation, he flipped the table. Well, yes. But, but how do you know that? But in another situation, he willingly died on the cross. So I'm not really yes. sure which Jesus doing yeah. thing you want to talk about. But characteristically, what Jesus always did, he obeyed the Father. Mm-hmm. And so what would Jesus do? He'd be obedient to his Father. That's right. He would obey the, the will of God for the good of others and for God's glory. And bringing grace to, to all those around him. He would show love even when other people were criticizing him. Like, yeah. So I think that it's interesting to, to just note that when we say, that, oh, what would Jesus do? Oh, he flipped the table over. We can't just look at what someone did. There's no. always, and it's, it's the contextual thing. You can't just look at what the event was. You have to look at all the things around it and say, well, well why did Jesus do that? Yeah, and, because yeah. otherwise we utilize his actions to justify our own sin. Yeah. And Jesus mm-hmm. is without sin, right? So we have uh, Jesus who was tempted in every way, but never sinned. Yeah. And so when he flipped over these tables, we're not seeing Jesus using violence mm. in a response to how yeah. he felt about, like Jesus Come wasn't on. angry at these people for selling things. Like I'm mad. So I'm going to flip tables and hit them with whips. No, there was, there was something deeper, but that's how people yeah. utilize this. So like, you know yeah. what, if I'm angry and I want to act violently, I have an excuse because Jesus, Jesus did, did it. it. Yeah. And if Jesus can get violent and make a whip and drive people out of his father's house, then I can punch my stepdad in the mouth. Like, wait, hold on. Wait a second. <laughs> Back it up. Bag it on up here. Well, and it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. self-aggrandizement because we forget all of the things that Jesus was operating in. We forget, like we, as Believers in Jesus, we mm-hmm. are we are um, given His Holy Spirit. We're able to walk in authority. We're able to walk in godly um, power. Yeah, but that does not give us a license to act wrathfully, to no. act as little gods and be like, little "Well, I can just gods. I can just come over here and I can just flip that over and you know forget that and get that out of here." I'm no. gonna smite thee. Yeah, because that's not that's not the power we were given. Yeah, um, there's there's an element of that power that's acting in wrath and anger. And in a sense, fear. Yeah. Um, and Jesus was not operating out of those things. He was operating out of, and, and we'll talk about it in a minute. He's operating out of having a zeal for his father's house. Yeah. It wasn't even about him. It wasn't about Jesus, the person walking in and saying, I don't like any of this that I see here. <laughs> I'm personally offended. Yeah. And Therefore, un- unfor- violence. Right. Unfortunately, in movies, because we can't fully capture all of that in uh, a depiction of Jesus, mm-hmm. all we see is this human form coming into a space and being angry at what he sees, not yeah. understanding all of the implications of what was going on in that space. Yeah, so as, as it has been used incorrectly, the misunderstanding here in this story is that people will use the story as a way to justify their anger, a, a way to justify violence, as a way to 
um, justify their own sinful anger mm-hmm. because we do know in scripture that we can be angry. Yes. Um, but it says be angry and sin not. And so yeah. um, we're going to get into the the proper context of this. But before we do, if uh, you're interested, intrigued, shall we say, uh, go ahead and share this with somebody. Let somebody know about the Nick Smith podcast. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Uh, subscribe to the, if you're listening on the audio version, uh, subscribe to whatever um, service you're using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Platform. That's the word. Yes. <laughs> That's why I'm yes. married. So what does this story actually mean? There's, there's several different, um, I won't say versions of it, but there's several different depictions of it mm-hmm. um, based on the different gospels. And so it's generally the same story. We all understand Jesus goes in flipping tables because of the money changers and all of these things. But what is the context, Pastor Nick? Well, let me tell you the context. The context. <laughs> I got my radio voice. You did. Well, it's like my NPR voice. Well, today on the Nick Smith <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> so um, this this passage is normally called Jesus cleansing the temple and or clears the temple or, or it's never Jesus gets angry. Like That's not the name of this passage. Jesus gets angry, kicks people out. Jesus is ticked. <laughs> <laughs> In this passage, Jesus just. That might be the urban dictionary version of the Bible. I don't want to read that one. Jesus gets hot-headed. Jesus is throwing hands. Um, But no, this isn't about Jesus's anger. So this is about the cleansing of the temple. And so he's entering into Jerusalem and it's during Passover time. And Passover, if you don't know, in the Jewish faith is the most holy day. It is, it is the day of atonement. It's the, or not the day of the atonement, sorry. It's a day that they celebrate when the, the angel of death passed over um, their, the children of Israel mm-hmm. in Egypt. And so they celebrate their, their freedom in Christ. And they, they celebrate this this um this whole event not in Christ sorry their freedom from slavery their freedom mm-hmm. in God and so this was the holiest day for them and so Jews from all over the the Jewish territory had to come to Jerusalem to sacrifice and so Jesus was being a a um devout follower of his faith and he's going into Jerusalem to sacrifice and as he goes in he's seeing all of these people that are are setting up inside the temple they're setting up um, stations basically selling goods for profit. They're exchanging money for profit. They're doing things in order to um, basically monetize the people of God so that they can skim a little bit off the top. Yeah. And so when when Jesus walks in, um, his response is is to drive them out physically from the space uh, was not because Jesus was personally just mad at them. It was because he had this this anger, righteous indignation. Uh, that the the temple of God, the house of God was being defiled. And so the zeal for, for God's name, for God's sanctuary, um, that the place where people were supposed to come to pray was being turned into a marketplace where people were being prayed on mm-hmm. um, and where they were being used as a prophet, like or instead of being used as a prophet, you know what I'm saying, like of yeah. God, they're being used for profit. And so he got really upset and he, he the zeal of God um, caused him to drive these people out of the temple. Yeah. So well, that's the, the surrounding context yeah. of the story. And so, and you used a word earlier that I thought was really interesting and, and important, which Did is I say con- it wrong. No, okay. you, you used it correctly. <laughs> um, consumerism. And like we, we yeah. can look at this because nowadays, obviously we're new Testament believers We're mm-hmm. we've been adopted into the family of God. And so we don't go and purchase sacrifices anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not something that we have to do. Sacrifices is already purchased. Exactly. We don't have to do that. So it's hard for us sometimes to look at this and say, well, what is, you know, this 
what does this mean for me? Because mm. we don't purchase animals and have to take them to a priest. And we're not doing all that. Jesus is our high priest. We go to him. Mm. No animals needed. No, 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 no batteries harmed. included. No animals are harmed <laughs> in the event of this salvation. So um, for us, it's, it's very similar to the consumerist mindset that happens in church bodies. Yeah. And we see this and I, I'll say I'm, I feel a sense of indignation. I won't say it's anywhere close to what the Lord Jesus felt, mm-hmm. but I feel a sense of indignation when I see the, the church of Jesus Christ being used in a way to profit from or yeah. to elevate. And, and, I, and I know it's going to step on some toes, but to elevate a certain brand of ministry, mm-hmm. even like to say, Oh, well that's, that's this pastor church, this famous pastor. And to kind of puff up their ministry yeah. as, as a product almost that yeah. we want people to purchase so that our church can grow. Yeah. That's consumerism because now I'm only, we're only promoting coming to the church to receive a product. Yeah. And we, Jesus isn't the product. Um, salvation isn't a product. This is uh, really, it's the byproduct of Christ's work on the cross, the finished complete work. And so this is something that for me, I, I really get frustrated when other Christians don't see it. Mm-hmm. And when we don't collectively say, no, this, that's not okay. We, we do yeah. not, we're not selling we're not selling people on a product. Yeah, in this in the space that God has designed to be a sanctuary, a yes, place of, of worship. worship, a house of prayer. And yeah. one of the things that kind of when we were talking earlier, a way to liken it to our our current situation is like it'd be just like if people were selling communion. Ooh. Like, hey, you can you can take communion, but you know, we're gonna need about a dollar fifty per per mm. cracker. Like I'm gonna need each little shot of juice at seventy. And we'll loan so. it to you, but you know, next week you're gonna have interest. Yes, exactly. And- or <laughs> Um, pew rent be like you want to sit up front what well actually it'd probably be like you want to sit in the back that's gonna be ten dollars yeah. you, you don't want to be in the front row you don't want to be in the splash zone <laughs> you're not in the, you want the anti-splash zone tickets yeah so that's gonna be but that's gonna run you there something. was a time where that was a thing it's so true okay so if you don't know church history it's so interesting uh, they used to charge pew rent and so if you wanted to sit in a certain spot there were locks on pews and so like you had to pay your pew rent and instead of um really pushing tithes and offerings you know what i mean they would like push hey if you want the good seats and so people who wanted to be seen they would pay for these these seats up front right and they would rent these pews and that way they could walk to the front and people that couldn't afford would have to stand in the gallery or they'd have to stand around the edges and they'd have to look at the people who were dressed nice and the people and so that's how we started certain uh spinoffs of different churches some churches say we want people to come or free. Yep. So you have, but we're also Methodist or yep. we're also Baptist. Baptist. Yeah. So when you see, and I didn't know this, I was free like, I was like, what does it mean to be free? Like, like we're all free in Christ. But I was like, okay, apparently those Methodists are really free. <laughs> like they are like, oh, we are boasting in our freedom in Christ. And, I, and I'm like, own it. But really it was like, no, we have to distinguish because there are the Methodists and the Baptists and the evangelists or evan- evangelicals who charge pew rent. Mm-hmm. And then there's us where it's yeah. where you're free to come and you can sit. Yes. There's no lock. Yeah. And that's so interesting because like, how is this any different from the pharisaical mindset? It's not of you over there and you're, but you can come up here that's and, right. and showing favoritism showing and all of these things. And, and of course those things were, I'm sure justified and um, thought of as okay because of certain reimaginings of Whatever. scripture, but it's not, it's consumerism. It's using the house of God, which we are the people of God. We are his temple. That's right. It's utilizing people as a means to gain profit and as a means to build ego mm-hmm. and a name for oneself. And to, yeah. and I'll, I'll go so to far as to say, pockets. yes, I'll go so far as to say making yourself like God, which is oh, the, the whole pursuit of he 
who shall not be named Voldemort. No. <laughs> Voldemort? <laughs> I'm just joking. No, but seriously. No, the enemy. Yeah, he definitely seriously. does that. And so um, what what we're seeing, and, and John even quotes it in his telling, and I've got it open to, to John too. Tell us what John said. What, what Juan tells us here. Um, well, let me find it now. Okay. I said all that. Yep. Um, or your okay. highlighter, Pastor. Exactly. I didn't have. This is like one of my fourth, you know, fourth or fifth Bibles. And so I was just like, <laughs> let me grab this Bible and open it up. Um, so yeah, he says, so he made a whip out of cord and drove him from the temple. Uh, of course, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers over to the tables to those who sold doves. He said, get out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written zeal for your house will consume me. And mm. so um, John is actually quoting old Testament scripture when he's saying, uh, listen, the, the prophets already talked about this, the zeal, for the, the Messiah will, will be consuming of him. Mm. And so um, when Jesus entered into the temple, the zeal of God, the, the passion of God, the um, righteous indignation, the, the justified um, anger, right? It wasn't, he wasn't mad at these people individually, like, you're a jerk and I'm going to hit you with this chair. Mm. It was like, you know, it didn't turn WWE. He was right. just like, listen, <laughs> this is my father's house. And if you're not Jesus about his business. rips off his costume. He's like, <laughs> he's like ripped. <laughs> <laughs> do you smell what the Christ is cooking? Uh, and he comes, oh, no. comes at you with the chair. No, um, but he, he's driving them out because of the zeal uh, that he has for God, which is actually um, part of fulfilling the prophecy of yes. the Messiah. Yes. We see that Jesus cleansing the temple is part of, if you read through Old Testament passages, it's part of what the Messiah was supposed to do mm. is restore proper worship mm -hmm. in the house of God. Yeah. And so, um, where was I going with that? Ooh, I don't remember. I don't but going back to what you were saying about consumerism, mm -hmm. uh, Jesus was combating this false worship yeah. in the proper place that God is, has called and ordained to be the house of God, where he yeah. resides, where he listens, where he, uh, his people can come and be fed and be mm -hmm. built up. And yet yeah. you, have, you have wolves. You have people who are poaching, yeah. who are looking for, for money. For the weakness yeah. on the outside. And there the are people, y'all, this happens, and I'm not, I'm not going to say any names. Um, and if you have your Ooh, own theories, nope, keep, keep it, keep them to yourself. But there are people who utilize Christian markets mm. in order to gain profit yet find no faith in Christ himself. Come on. So there are people that utilize Christians and they say, you know what, if we just drop, you know, slap Christ on the front of this, yeah. um, Christians will buy it and then they will get their money Yeah, and it'll be awesome. And I don't care anything about Jesus, but I can go ahead and make money off of them. Uh -huh. And there are people that do that. And they've utilized, they've weaponized a, a Christianity of sorts in order to gain uh, wealth and income for themselves. And mm -hmm. this is exactly what was happening because these money changers and the people selling cattle and selling sheep, they didn't have to be like Jewish by faith. They just had to have the goods. And they had to like follow the, the, the guidelines well yes, enough they had to be clean, for them to let yeah. them in be like, oh yeah, yeah, you can come in. You can come in the temple. You're, yeah, you're from what tribe? Okay, cool. And the whole time the dude's like, yeah, I don't ever go to temple unless I'm selling these doves. I'm flipping birds, homie. And so mm. he's making money <laughs> at the temple. Um, and this still happens today. Yeah. This still is a part of um, what the enemy utilizes to prey on the people of God. Yeah. I think two things are really important that you, that you read in there. One, uh, let's talk about the whip. Because that's one of my favorites. Not like, the nay nay. <laughs> Watch Anyone? Jesus whip. Watch him nay. Anyway. No, um, from us. <laughs> no, he uh, he he made the whip. Mm -hmm. Now Jesus didn't show up. It wasn't around his little belt loop or Indiana whatever. Jones style. No, he like <laughs> he had a fedora. If you think no about whip. this, this this required 
careful like <laughs> what an image of jesus like oh hold on no y'all just but wait no right but there. no hold really on. like no, keep on like i want to like we tend right to here. think about this as jesus is walking in like and again like like this was methodical jesus there was a, always a method and a reason to what everything that jesus did and he took the time to get the product and be like okay he, think was, a game. he wasn't hasty jesus was not hasty he's always on time <laughs> he, he's, he was not hasty. He was like, okay, yeah, I think it was. Like, all right, okay, yep, I'm going to go there first, and I'm going to hit this one up right here. Yeah. Don't you hold Let me tie it. Let me get it tied. <laughs> he made the whip. And also, what does a whip do? It's not it just, it, it makes noise. It gets your attention. And it it's hurts. driving something. Yeah. It, it, yes, it, if, it can be chasing I don't know what you're well. looking for. I'm, but just, no, but, but it, <laughs> I'm putting words out it there. It gets attention, and it also, it drives something. It's dri- it drives people out. It drives people away. You're, you're using a whip with livestock. You're, mm-hmm. you're getting their attention and like move, move. This wasn't an act of just I'm angry at people. It was like, yeah. get out of here. Yeah, he, there was purpose. He knew there had That's to be, good. I need to get your attention. You better get out. And also animals would have been used to that. Mm-hmm. Animals would have been used to that sound. So he, like, I think it's funny that he's using something that animals were used to and the people ended up responding to. That's right. Get so, the people out the way. And also I think it's interesting that the disciples mm-hmm. remembered. Yeah. What was written about Jesus by Jesus acting in accordance with his father's will, in accordance with the word of God and what was prophesied about him mm-hmm. doing what he was called to do. The disciples said, I re- now I remember what it was that God said. That's Sometimes right. when we just do what we are called to do, mm, come on, now. we just go into the spaces we're this called to go into. People will see and then they'll remember, oh, that's what God had said. That is what the truth is. So in being obedient to the father, again, what would Jesus do? He would be obedient to his father right. in every setting. That is oftentimes all that's needed to jar somebody's memory. Oh my goodness. Yes. This is what, this is what God said would happen. Yeah. And it's not, Jesus didn't say, he didn't just walk and be like, Hey, this is what the word said. Pay <laughs> you attention. Remember, remember what my father said? And here it is on. Yes. <laughs> let me slap it down. <laughs> it was the disciples watching what he did and he knew yeah. they would be watching what he did. And so there's so much intentionality behind what Jesus did it is it was not a hasty spur of the moment. I have no idea what Jesus knew exactly what was going yeah. on. He knew it was Passover time. He knew, they'd he be knew what the people were doing. Turkeys. And yet at the same time, we have to think for a time, Jesus, there was a gracious sovereign allowance of these things to happen for a time until he walked in at the right time mm-hmm. to correct it. I want to imagine there was a dude who saw Jesus come in I was just kind of chilling, watching him, and then we saw Jesus making the uh, whip. Was like started cleaning up. Listen, like, I'm gonna uh, go. I you gotta know what? be. I this man ain't playing. Is it Passover? <laughs> I you know what? I got. I think look I at, look at the sun. It's time <laughs> to go. Um. Okay. So, but before we move on to practicality, one more point we need to hit is yes. the understanding of anger in Scripture, and so oh, people yes, utilize yeah. this verse to justify their own uh, sinful anger. And when mm. you read again context, you have to read the the plenary Scripture. You got to read the whole thing. Plenary. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's a big word. I mean, it's a small word. It's like a medium word. It's like an average, mediocre. It's like a $4 word. (laughs) (laughs) But you got to understand the whole context of scripture to know, like, you can't take this one verse and be like, see, Jesus is cool with me being a rageaholic. I can just get angry and throw things against the wall. I can kick someone down the stairs. I can, you know, I can do because Jesus did it. Like, no, you have to understand the entirety of scripture. And what it says about about anger. Mm. A couple of things. We've got some verses pulled up. We're going to read it. Just a few of them for you because there's a ton of them. Yeah. Um, and if you ever want to know, there are these things called concordances. If you want to know about topics, look up in a concordance. What does the Bible say about anger? Right. Mm-hmm. Don't go to Joe's blog 
but look up in an actual Bible concordance. You can Google what a concordance is if you don't know what that is. And then um, look up anger, look up uh, frustration, look up mm-hmm. impurity, whatever. And it'll give you all the verses that talk about that. So in this um, concordance that we pulled up, so yeah. um, Psalm 37, 8, refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Mm, uh, Proverbs so fourteen twenty nine. whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who is haste, who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's Old Testament. New Testament, Jesus says we can do whatever we want. Uh-uh. James, who's uh, Jesus' little brother. That's his, I mean, true story. I'm not joking. That's his yes. brother. Um, he says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. Right? So the anger of man. And so if you're reading this and you're like, Jesus is cool with me being a rageaholic. He's cool with my anger. No. He's not. This is not the anger of man. This is the righteous indignation of God driving out false worship from the house of God. Yes. And also a lot of the scriptures about anger, especially in the, in Proverbs and Psalms equate uh, quick temperedness and anger um, and fits of rage to foolishness or folly. And one question I would ask if, if you're saying that this justifies just being angry and doing crazy things, I would go so far as to to question whether or not that means Jesus is a fool. Right. Because when when we see his actions, it's like, wow, he, this seems like a little crazy. No, look, reread the text, reread it in context. That's look right. at the character of Jesus in every other situation. He's not acting crazy and he's not being foolish because Jesus was without sin. That's right. Tempted in every way. But without sin. But without sin. And so yeah. the temptation to become angry was probably there. Like to be angry in the fleshly sense and to just yeah. start throwing things at people. Yeah. It doesn't say he flipped tables at people or, or that he on hit people. people with whips. It doesn't or say he, he beat people. He didn't pile drive people into the changing tables, right? right? It says he drove them out of the temple. Yeah. And so this, again, the careful examination of the word and also taking into context the character of Jesus. That's right. It's not just, well, who is he saying it to and where was he and what's the time period and what's the time of year? Who was he in his character? If mm. you know the character of God, you can look at anything that happens in scripture and say, well, is, does what I'm interpreting and what I'm feeling about this match up with the character of God that I've seen in the word and that I've experienced in my own life? Yeah, just side note. Um, just as a human being situation type deal, uh, you need to take that advice that Kylie Joe just gave you and utilize that in other situations. Ooh. When you hear something about somebody, instead of immediately being like, they did what? I'm going to tell everybody. You're like, does this reflect does this the character up? of the person I know? And if it doesn't, I need to go to them and be like, hey, I'm hearing some stuff about you that I don't, it's not lining up. Or I will go so far as to say, you don't even like take the information Question, reframe and question, okay, is this, does this line up with who I know them to be? No, it doesn't. Have I experienced this from them? No, I haven't. Then it's done. Yeah. Until I see it in that person, I don't need to bring it up. Until I see it with my own eyes and experience it on my own, I don't need to bring it up. I just need to love them and so, be friends with them. That's for somebody else too. Period. All right, so uh, let's move into practicality. Yes, and if you know somebody who needs to hear this, whether it was what we just said or the stuff we said before that or mm-hmm. the stuff before that, you need to tag them in this. If you see it on social media, you mm-hmm. need to send this to them. You need to text it to them, whatever. You need to call them, say, let's get on YouTube and Have watch you this thing. What Nick and Joe talking about? You need to share it with them because you know somebody who will be blessed by hearing this. You know somebody who is going to feel, uh, who's going to be more free because they've understood what this text means. Amen. So I'll start us off. The first practice, uh, and we just can't say it enough, context. You have to know context. Stop believing when people tell you something's in the Bible. Stop taking generic thoughts about, oh, that's in the Bible um, and being like, oh, well, that justifies this thought. If this thing's in this, the Bible, like go back and read the Bible story. Mm. Like, oh, Jesus flipped tables. OK, well, then I'm I'm good. Did you read the story about how, why he flipped tables? 
Well, no, I just know he did it. Okay, well, then go back <laughs> and read the story and understand the whole context. Because if you're not understanding context, you're going to misrepresent Christ. Mm. And so you, we don't want to do that. We want to go back and we want to read and yeah. we want to examine and we want to pray and we want to meditate and we want to seek God in all things. Yeah. Uh, so this, so one thing with this, this big practical one that we're about to share is understanding, okay, when we see Jesus doing something, we also need to understand, though we operate in the power of Christ, the authority of Christ, it does not mean that we, need, we can do the exact same thing as him without understanding why. Yeah. And why That's is context. a question. Why is a question we have to ask? That's right. Why did this happen? Why is this happening? And one of the greatest um, things we have, one of the greatest tools we have that gives us power is the power of asking questions. Yes. God is big enough for your questions. He really your pastor is. is big enough for your questions. Should be. There are, there are certain questions. There are things you can actually ask out loud and it will empower you to do more than just walking in a situation trying to fix it. That's right. So that's important for us to know. So when it comes to practical Christianity and being a part of a local body mm-hmm. where we might be tempted to flip our own tables. Yeah. I know I have done a few flip, flipping table, table, flippings. table flippings in my life that were hasty and that were uncalled for. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing we can do, if you see something happening in your church that you're like, oh, this kind of, I feel like this pulls away from worship or this is, this is profiting someone. This doesn't, and I don't see how this actually contributes to the worship of God or the strengthening of his people in the body. Yeah. You need to ask questions. Yes. That is the first thing you should do. Like, hey, pastor, I, I need to better understand why selling fill in the blank for this person is okay in our church. I just need to know why that's okay. I need to know yeah. what it's doing for the ministry of this church. Yes. You should, first of all, your pastor should be able to handle you asking questions mm-hmm. and, and seeking clarification. And number two, you should feel empowered to be able to do that. You should feel comfortable with whoever's leading that to be able to say, I just need clarification. I really need to know because, and then if they, if you engage with them, explain why, you know, I, I just want to know why, because when Jesus flipped tables, I know it was because he had zeal for his father's house. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to see the, the house of God being treated a certain way. And I yeah. just, I don't want to see that in my church. Yeah. I really want to be like Jesus in that. And um, now saying that there's an, a space for charity. There's a space for grace, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a situation in uh, ministry where there were children in our church who were bringing their snacks from outside into the sanctuary. There were adults also. It wasn't just kids. Adults were bringing like their coffee. I was one of the adults. There were adults bringing. <laughs> and in this church setting, that was accepted. <clears throat> but when children, there were children showing up without their parents, and these children were bringing their, their snacks in as well. But these were unchurched kids. They didn't understand how to like not spill on the new, well, the 20 year old carpet. I was say it wasn't new. Wasn't new. Um, and people were getting upset. They're like, kids can't be come. If they're going to come in here, like then they, I'd rather they just stay home. And so what they, what started off as an irritation of, I don't think they're treating the, the house of God with respect ended up being a lack of charity because instead of teaching these, these kids who were coming to hear the word of God and who were receiving this free gift we were giving to everybody um, on top of the word of God, uh, and we're there in church. Kids were showing up to hear the word of God. They want to kick the kids out because of the carpet. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand some of the things that you're upset about may not be zeal for the house of the Lord. And they may just be preferential. Things. Yeah, because I think that that stemmed from not just being upset about the, the respect of the house of God. That's wanting respect for a building, which we yes. and I understand we understand the physical space yeah. does need to be treated with respect. Definitely. But I think <clears throat> a lot of times we idolize the physical building because 
if we're tithing members for generations, you may have helped build that church. My great granddad you, you, you may feel some some type of way because we helped build those altars. Mm-hmm. I I cut the wood that, and that's wonderful, and that's an amazing thing, and honor should be given to that. But where we we need to draw the line is understanding that the holiness of the item is not in whose hands crafted it. Yeah. It's in for whom it was built. Yeah. And what's the purpose of church? To save souls, yes. not to save to carpets. save little baby souls with crumbs all up in their <laughs> stuff. Dirty, little dirty babies. Yes. We're going to save them and, and get and, them to Jesus. And how can you, you can have a type of zeal about that. Mm-hmm. Um, brother, sister, whoever you are, you could have a zeal about that. Okay. Now what, what can we do to empower these children? So they understand. Yeah. It's not just, you can't bring your food in here and you better. Okay. Maybe we need to make the rule that. We don't bring food into the sanctuary unless it is communion. There's a specific mm-hmm. meal that is served here, and that's beautiful. Yeah. Or it needs to be, if you don't feel that type of way, well, then if you're going to bring something in, if you make a mess, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empower you to clean it up. That's right. And clean it up well with excellence. We do everything with excellence in the house of God. Come on. Find a way to redeem what's happening in your church. Yes. To, because we are able to do, we are empowered to take the things of this world and say, okay, this is, this is jacked up. But you know what? If we just move this around, we just kind of flip it and we point it back to Jesus. That's right. Now it's no longer an instrument being used by the enemy. That's right. Not to be, you can't redeem sin. Let's just clarify. I saw John Chris had a post recently about a Christian burlesque. <laughs> yes. You can't redeem that. That's not redeemable. Oh, you got to go watch it. It's um, hilarious. And so there is sin you can't redeem. But if yeah. there's something in your church that's going on and you don't understand, if there's something in the church, the body of God, <clears throat> the body of Christ that you don't understand, um, as a mature believer, you need to seek clarification mm-hmm. and ask the person, like, hey, how is this bringing honor to God? How is yeah. this pointing back to the mission and ministry of the church of God? Yeah. And in that, you're going to be able to grow. You're going to have dialogue. You're going to mm-hmm. bring unity in the body of Christ. Yeah. This is all God honor and stuff. People write yeah. this down. What y'all doing? Write it. Come Get on your now. pencil out. <laughs> no, but really, and I'm, I'm just thinking of this image of the meekness of Christ that I remember hearing John Piper talk about it. And a lot of pastors have preached on meekness. Pipes. I think it's a really hard thing to preach. So kudos to all of you who are preaching practical meekness um as modeled by jesus christ but but there's such a there's there's such a power in when we can have the meekness of christ and approach a situation and say i need clarification it's not it's not being weak meekness is not weakness it's not saying oh i just i just want to make sure that you know i see people doing some things no it's hey i need clarification on this because i do see that there's some things i'm questioning and i'm looking at the word of god your pastor should respect the fact that you're going to the word of god first that's good number one and also how do you know that God will not use his Holy Spirit of conviction when you approach with kindness, because that's what leads to repentance, anti way, Come on. and allow people to say, you know what, we shouldn't be doing, you know what, yeah. I, and maybe somebody else has the same thought that you have, but your pastor's too concerned with how it's going to be received. And he just needs, or she just needs you to come to them and say, I'm a little concerned. They're like, you know what? I've been feeling the same type of That's way. Right. And I've, this is, this is confirmation. I've been praying that God would send somebody. So you were the whip in that situation that mm. they needed. And you don't even have to put anything together. Come on. That's good stuff. That was, that was solid. I like that. One thing I am taking away from that though, is that we need a workout tank that says weakness or meekness isn't weakness. <laughs> And it's like about working out. That's dope. I'm designing it. I'm designing it today. It'll be available soon. It's going to be available soon. All right. Well, um, (laughs) hey, we uh, we want to share with you if you want more content, if you want to engage with us deeper, if you want to um, just know more about who we are and the ministry that we're doing here. Think about joining our inner circle, please, which uh, you can find out more by going to www.patreon.com slash Nick Smith podcast. And we've got all sorts of tiers, all sorts of cool stuff, all sorts of 
uh, ways that you get to engage, you get good stuff from us, and you get to participate in our lives and ministry. So think about that. Yes. Well, this has been the Nick Smith Podcast. We hope you've gotten a dose of real life. No myth. Be Be blessed. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Nick Smith Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us, and we hope that you'll consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Don't forget to rate and share this podcast. And if you haven't already, follow us on social media. If you want to be a part of our family's mission to entertain, educate, and empower others, please consider becoming one of our Patreon supporters. Exclusive Nick Smith merchandise is available to you through our online store at www.nicksmithpodcast.com.